What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raised a Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. This week, we finally talk all about Shang-Chi, now in theaters, and we give our first impressions of Deathloop, out now on PS5. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. let's go All right, we are back. It's a me, Chris. I'm here with my buddy Don. This is the Raise the Geek podcast where we talk all about everything that's geek and nothing is geekier than breaking down the voice cast of a kid's movie. But before we do, Don, man, how you doing? Chris, what is up, my friend? It's a me, Don. <laughs> uh, nice little touch in there. But yeah, everything, everything's good, man. Everything is everything. Just uh, hanging out here on another recording Saturday, relaxing, talking with my buddy. And we're here to talk some geek stuff as usual don the internet is going insane because nintendo this week had a nintendo direct they announced some cool games showed some trailers for metroid dread and bayonetta 3 and stuff that's coming to the nintendo switch but they did announce the voice cast they're working with i think illumination studios that did despicable me and those animated movies and nintendo's working super close on a Mario Brothers movie that they wanted mm-hmm. to do. So they're doing an animated Mario Brothers movie to try to take the taste out of everyone's mouth of the live action one they did 30 years ago, which I do own on DVD and it is hilarious. It is. the last time you watch that movie? <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's probably been 20 years, if not longer. Uh, and haven't seen it a ton of times either. Just like a couple of times here and there. It's it's a thing, though, that exists. It is a thing that exists. And if you're looking for something fun when you're just bored on YouTube, there are like what happened to this movie, like behind the scenes stories of that movie. And it's insane, the stuff that went into that movie and how they got to where they got. Super interesting. But that's not what we're here to talk about either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about this voice cast that they announced that did tend to set the internet on fire. Should we go with the part that set everyone on fire first? Just read through the main cast of this movie? Well, yeah, just give the give the cast listing that they announced, because that was the main announcement, the voice cast. Yes. So then they did announce, voicing Mario himself. It's-a me, Chris <laughs> Pratt. <laughs> I know, right? Because that's who everyone imagines. Yeah. <laughs> first top of your mind when you imagine mario talking you just imagine chris pratt not even a little bit like that really did throw me off and they said and they said that first too like i think if they would have saved that for the last one if they would have saved it for last it would have been worse because honestly every other person they cast is perfect yeah every everyone else everyone else is good go through the list okay so luigi is voiced by charlie day from always sunny Mm -hmm. uh Princess Peach is voiced by Anya Taylor-Joy, who's becoming a super huge deal. She was in the new Mutants movie, The Queen's Gambit over on Netflix. She's in the new Edgar Wright movie coming out, uh, The One Night in Soho, I think it's called. Um, So she's a huge star, and she's voicing Princess Peach. We have Jack Black voicing Bowser. We have Seth Rogen voicing Donkey Kong. We have Keegan-Michael Key voicing Toad. We have Fred Armiston voicing Cranky Kong. Um, and then we did have some other people voicing Kamek, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Spike Sebastian. 
I don't know how to say that last name. Maniscalco. Maniscalco. He's a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. But then they do have Charles uh, Martinet, who does do the voice for a lot of those characters for the video game and has for years, including Mario, who is going to pop into this movie, but nobody knows what that role is. So circling back around or just overall, let's ignore the Chris Pratt of it for a moment. It's hard, hard, as hard as it is to do, but yes. As hard as it is, yes. How did this, I mean, I don't, I don't even know where a Mario movie fits into my excitement or to do or to watch. I don't know where my interest level ever was in this. If it's a full-on animated movie, I don't know where it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not for me, I don't imagine. But with this cast, are you a little interested now? I mean, it's interesting news. It's, it's kind of fun. Uh, I think it's being made by DreamWorks or one, one of those bigger companies. If it is DreamWorks, I think it is. That's like probably the second most popular animation studio for movies after Pixar and Disney. So um, that's promising, I guess. If you're a fan of animation, animated movies, you can look forward to that. Yeah, man. Like a lot of this cast is cool. Jack Black as Bowser, like you said, is perfect. That's that's great. That guy's got a I could see him totally killing that role. Uh, Charlie Day. I mean, he's no John Leguizamo. Let's be serious. <laughs> but uh, Charlie Day, Charlie Day has a funny, just a voice that's funny and, you know, good for, I feel good for any animated movie. So him as Luigi is fun. Um, but yeah, that just that Chris Pratt thing, man, that's, that's the one that, that gets me. And like, I don't know what the, my issue is with Chris Pratt. I seem to have something against him though nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't really pinpoint what it is. Like I even said to you one time, like I love guardians of the galaxy. It's one of my, you know, top five, maybe top three Marvel movies. The first one anyway, volume one, but he's to me like the worst part of the movie. Like, I don't know what it is about that guy that just like irks me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it, it might, it's ever since that, it's ever since Guardians, like, he bothered me in Jurassic Park, like, he bothered me in, there's some other one, I can't think of it right now, but like, the Tomorrow War was coming out on Amazon, I'm like, I'm not watching this, I don't like Chris Pratt, <laughs> post, post, like, getting in shape Chris Pratt, yeah. if this was, if this was still, like, chubby, chubby, funny Chris Pratt from yeah. Uh, Parks and Rec, or I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Five Year Engagement, he's hilarious in that movie. He's been in, a, you know, some things in the past where the dude was like more charming. I just something about him just bothers me. And I'm not a fan of that casting fit, <laughs> at all. Fit Chris Pratt. Fit Pratt. I don't like it. Well, like, how does this movie work? Because, you know, Mario has a very stereotypical Italian accent, as we were demonstrating in the beginning. Correct. It's a me. And, you know, in the, the cartoons we grew up with very stereotypical italian accent now you have two actors playing mario and luigi who aren't italian for all intents and purposes i don't know if they have some italian in them i don't know if they Mm -hmm. identify with but like are they gonna do that accent is this like a voice are they gonna do an accent this italian is it gonna be that heavy or is it gonna be more subdued are they gonna do a jumanji thing and chris pratt is some human that gets pulled into mario's body and he just has his normal voice and has to run Uh around and figure out like what is this movie going to be but like are they gonna do the accents i don't know man it's it's very tricky you know today's world with like i don't know if you want to 100% 100% call it political correctness or like whatever the case is maybe they are trying to get away from that but Mario and Luigi are traditional Italian 
you know, have always been presented in every game, every TV show, every, you know, any, any iteration of them we've ever had since their first video game in the eighties have been like this Italian stereotype. And I don't know if that's wrong to do in today's day and age, or or they're looking at it as they don't want to go that route. They want to take it a different route, which is fine too. If that's the way, you know, yeah, no, it's it, not. It, they have to do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I right, mean, it's right, going right. to be weird. If you see a Mario and it just sounds like Chris Pratt, you're going to be like, all right. Plus, I can hear Charlie Day doing that voice, and it's perfect, and it's something I want to watch. But if it's just Charlie Day talking, it's just not Luigi, and you're losing the essence of the character and what it is, and it's an animated. And, like, I, I see it going very bad if they decide to change the voice too much. Oh, this is just the big question. We'll send it along to Nintendo. We'll add them on Twitter or whatever. Like, is Mario, big thought piece is, is Mario Brothers racist? I don't know. <laughs> is it? That's the question we need to answer. Maybe that's the know. question they're trying to answer with this. Who knows? But. Yeah, that's uh, a whole other hole that that's you a can whole, fall down. That's a whole thing. But give me Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Give me jack black is bowser and i'll i'm sure i'll be happy with it uh i'll catch it someday whenever it comes on some streaming service or whatever but yeah i know yeah. We're, we're talking about it and we probably already spent too much time talking about it for a movie that probably neither one of us are going to watch because we are not the demographic and we don't have kids to take to the theater if i had yeah. kids i'm sure i'd be all about it like yeah let's go see mario come on come on chris <laughs> jr <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but that's you know not how the world works but it does that's come out alternate in reality. Alternate, reality. alternate reality. There is a Chris that's super excited about this in the multiverse somewhere who has all his little rugrats running around and they're pumped up for next December to yeah, go yeah. see the Mario movie. Hopefully not in a hazmat suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's not po- post-apocalyptic earth where uh, we can't breathe the air. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully yeah. we're not there. But That's enough talking about Mario because we got tons of other stuff to talk about here in this episode because we are finally, I got, I went and saw Shang-Chi last weekend. I am amped to talk to you about it because we have not really talked about this yet. We are about to do our death loop first impressions, but before we do make sure you like subscribe and follow this podcast on all social media and podcast (laughs) services, hit us up with those five stars where you can review us. We appreciate all that you guys do for us to getting the name out for the show and watching us climb up the lists and start to really build a following. It's been super awesome. So we want to thank you guys for all of that, for all that you do. If you want to join the conversation, hit us up on Twitter at raised a geek or shoot us an email at raised a geek at gmail.com. Well said all true. Good job. <laughs> thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for the motivation there, buddy. Now I can keep going. Let's uh-huh. keep going down because Deathloop, a PS5 exclusive that was one of the first games announced. It was by uh, Bethesda and Arcane Studios. They previously did the Dishonored games and Prey. And they had their, I guess it's going to be the last PS5 Bethesda game coming out because Xbox and Microsoft purchased Bethesda and has a one-year hold on this game so like in next year this time next year death loop will be hitting game pass and everyone else will get to try it but we got to play it now because we picked it up over on ps5 because we are starving for some new ps5 exclusives and we got one done and we've been playing it for now a couple weeks on and off yeah yeah so we wanted to give some first impressions on what we thought of death loop for ps5 and done Kick yeah, us, kick it off. Kick it off. What do you think? What do you think about Death Loop so far? Kicking it off with the Death Loop. Yeah, for those who've 
listen to our uh, shows, you've heard us talk about this game already uh, a couple times. That just shows the our interest level we've had in it. We talked about it when it was shown at E3, and they also showed it um, more of it at a at a later time. We talked about it then in our most anticipated games of this year. So uh, we've been talking about it, and like you say, it's finally available. And you bought it right away, I think, day one, first day. I wanted to, and I was like, ah, should I do it? Though just the more I thought about it and the more I was thinking about it, I was like, man, Chris is playing this game right now. <laughs> and it looks fun. It looks fun to me. Yeah. Um, since the beginning, I was like, I just got to do it. So I did it and grabbed it myself, downloaded it digitally. Um, yeah, man, it's it's been pretty fun and kind of what I was hoping it would be, like a, a fun just unique feeling first person shooter style game just with a lot of interesting interesting tweaks to the format of those kind of games that maybe I haven't experienced before like I I wasn't I didn't play the Dishonored games I don't know how similar this this runs to that but a lot of the ideas that they're presenting in this game are I find really cool um the story at times can feel a little overwhelming I don't know if that's the right word, but that's, but I kind of, Oh, it is. Yeah. I kind of just attribute that to it being a new game at the same time. Like whenever you start a new game, you're always just bombarded with new, new, you know, new ideas and new things going on that you don't fully understand. And they kind of just throw them at you. Like, and they keep stacking on top of each other. Like, man, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to remember all this. I'm not going to remember how to do this. And it can be a little discouraging, but, with any game, just the longer you stick with it and the more you start doing things, the things start making sense. And that's kind of happened just the, you know, little bit of a couple hours I've put into it so far. Um, but I do think it's really fun. The graphics are great. It, the game is beautiful. It looks really good. Uh, the voice acting in the game so far is like top tier to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's got re- really sharp humor in there where the characters are really witty and, and funny and, you know, um, they don't dumb it down if that makes sense like mm-hmm. it, it's 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 a game for like a thinking a thinking man like adults you know a thinking adult right. and I can really appreciate that uh yeah but I'm I'm definitely excited to get get deeper into it I've kind of just scratched the surface a little bit but so far what I've played is is really fun so um yeah that's my first impressions what are you what are you thinking about it so far man so before I jump too deep into that, I want to just do a quick, for those that don't know, Deathloop is a, a video game where basically you are a character who is in a death loop. So he's on an mm-hmm. island that basically is in a time loop. So every day just keeps restarting. So at the end of the day, everybody goes back to where they were at the beginning of the day and it goes through. So throughout the course of the game, you now have basically four time periods. You have morning, afternoon, evening and night or something like that um so that you have four periods of time where you can explore the four zones the four you know parts of this island and the main idea is there's eight visionaries that you need to assassinate all within the course of this one day so basically you're going through trying to find evidence of where all of these people are going to be at any given time throughout the day so you can plan out the day accordingly so when you finish the game you're technically going from morning all the way to night picking off these eight people because you know where they are so it's very groundhog day-esque where it's get you need to get to a point where you know what's what's going to happen at any given time so you can just run through the day 
murdering all of these people. <laughs> and that's the basic idea. And the more I'm playing it, the more that idea is super interesting. And I can see it being a lot of fun when you learn the ins and outs of the maps. And I'm really enjoying it so far. They do info dump way too much at you in the beginning. And I wish they would have spread it out just a little bit longer and really let you play with all of the different um, like things that they were giving you. I was trying to think of what the actual word is for it. It's, you know, the yeah. systems, the systems, all the game systems and everything. There's a lot that they're dumping on you to try to get through these time loops and figure out how to keep certain items and how to do stuff. So that I wish they would have slowed that down just a little, just to kind of grasp all of it a little bit easier. But the if you stick with it, I think some of it's starting to make sense to me. And I think the game is setting you up to make mistakes and be okay with it. So I'm really, really digging this game so far. I'm ready to play some more. I've gotten through a couple days now trying to figure out and finding clues. And I'm, I'm having fun with it, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy the... Uh, you're, you're also hunted. You're being hunted by one of these visionaries, Juli- Juliet. Juliana. Juliana. Mm. And she always talks to you through the radio, but it's really cool because it comes through the speaker of your controller on, on the controller yeah that's definitely th- fun yeah and that's kind of really cool because it, it gives it that different sound and it comes from a different place on the tv you know than the tv sound so i really was enjoying that kind of immersive element to it mm-hmm. so there's a lot of cool stuff with this game and i'm super excited to dive a little bit more and try to put together that perfect run and i i'm spending all of my time thinking man when i learn this when I learn yeah. this map and where to go and learn the ins and outs of the, each station at an each, you know, but once I know my way around these maps, regardless of the day and time and start getting these like superpowers a little bit more, I'm just like, I started getting some superpowers yesterday going, all right, this game mm-hmm. is starting to click and it's starting to, I'm starting to see the overwhelming is starting to fade. So I'm very excited to dive more into Deathloop. I can't wait to give more impressions on it. Can't wait to talk yeah. to you more about it and seeing just trying to push through as we head into the fall when all more and more games going to come out. So, yeah, we can kind of see why this game was getting a lot of perfect scores and a lot of fanfare for it from a lot of different outlets. So this may not be the last time you hear us talk Deathloop, but uh, yeah, I'm excited for for working my way through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Another big announcement that came out this week was that uh, Walt Disney companies celebrate celebrating Disney Plus Day on November 12th to thank subscribers with new content, fan experiences and more. So they did announce, which I guess this is for the two year anniversary or the one year anniversary. It is the two year already, believe it or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In honor of the second anniversary. I see that here. So they're going to I'm going to read a little bit from their press release here. But they said that uh, in honor of the second anniversary of Disney Plus subscribers will have access to promotions and experiences across the company. Disney parks and resorts around the world and cruise lines are going to roll out the blue carpet for Disney Plus fans with some surprise and delights. Now, they because of this, they basically are planning on featuring content premieres from all marquee brands on the service including the streaming premiere of marvel studios shang chi and the legend of the ten rings uh jungle cruise is going to launch on disney plus that day for everybody the Uh original disney plus movie home sweet home alone which reimagines 
Home Alone. If, if Macaulay Culkin's not in it, I don't want it, but go right, on. Right. <laughs> um, then they do have some shorts from Walt Disney Animation Studios, from Olaf, from Frozen. I think they also said there's going to be a Simpsons one. Um, it's going to be some shorts. Yeah, more shorts about Mickey Mouse and an animated short film from Pixar. Yeah, a new short from Simpsons that pays tribute to Disney Plus's marquee brands. First five yeah. episodes from season two of The World According to Jeff Goldblum. A special celebrating the origins and legacy of Star Wars legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett. A special celebrating the MCU on Disney Plus with an exciting look towards the future. And Dope Sick, an original series starring Michael Keaton, which is going to be released in international markets as part of the Star General Entertainment content offering, which I don't know what any of that means. But... Michael Keaton was the keywords there. That's all you need. That's the only reason I read it. And then I got to the back of the sentence and I was like, I don't know what any of this means. I don't even know if it's a show that's going to be released here in the States, but lots of stuff dropping on Disney plus day for the second anniversary of Disney plus, including Shang-Chi jungle cruise and home sweet home alone. Don, you're going to be in front of your TV for Disney plus day, ready to watch some, uh, some sweet, sweet content. Yeah, man, I'm sure I'm definitely going to check a lot of that out. Disney Plus in general has been a, um, I, I kind of liken it to just a, a, a car that takes a long time to start. <laughs> once, you, once you get it started, once you get it moving and you get it out there on the road, man, that thing can hit uh, 100 miles an hour quick. Mm-hmm. Because when Disney Plus first came out, I know I got my subscription right away. And uh, you may have too, I'm not sure, but man there towards the beginning in the first year i was pretty disappointed because a lot i mean i know a lot of this had to do with covid and what was going on but just seemed like it didn't have anything any like super engaging content that i was hoping for like how long did it take us to get wandavision and like that was one of the big selling points of disney plus at first was uh the marvel content it took man like a year just the first year to even get that Mm um i mean of course they have all their entire library of movies sitting there and that's great. And, you know, it's fun to go back and maybe check one out here and there, but that wasn't enough to sustain a, uh, me keeping a streaming service for like, okay, every Disney movie is on there, but do I care enough to keep paying for this month to month? But man, in the time since then, kind of since, you know, the Mandalorian and, and WandaVision has come out this, that it's been, you know, worth it to me. I don't, I don't second guess my Disney plus subscription at all these days. Uh, just because of everything that's coming out, uh, all these Marvel shows we've gotten. And I'm, I was a big Mandalorian fan. I know we didn't talk about the Mandalorian because the shows come after that. Uh, but I'm excited for the, for a season three of that. The Book of Boba Fett is a show that's coming. That's like the next big Star Wars thing. Um, I'm really excited for that show. One of the most interesting things about that is I, I did read something the other day that uh, – the Mandalorian composer Ludwig Gordonson is also going to score the book of Boba Fett. Dude, that was one of my favorite things of the Mandalorian was the score of that show yeah. was brilliant. Like yeah. so freaking that good. Western like, sci-fi. Yeah. It, oh, it yeah nailed man. it. Nailed it. I, I still got that theme song in my head. Like, honestly, honestly, in many ways, it's the best part of the show. If you didn't <laughs> really have that is. score, yeah. that show would be completely different. It would not, it would not push as hard. Yeah, man. So I'm with you on that. There's, there's should be plenty I could check out here. Never saw Jungle Cruise, but for some reason I always wanted to, I just, 
Like it looks fun enough for me to watch. We like Dwayne Johnson. So it just looks like a fun romp. It could be stupid. I don't know. Pirates of the Caribbean style movie, but um, so I'll, I'm sure I'll watch that. I'm excited for the peak at the Marvel future. I, I bet I'm sure they'll have like a Miss Marvel trailer in there or some, some you know, other Disney plus um, Marvel stuff we get to see for the first time. So I'm excited for the day. I'm sure I'll check out a few things. How about you? Yeah. So Disney plus I'm not a Disney person. So like I have my couple movies that I liked as kids, Mighty Ducks two, you know, mm-hmm. some of those ones that we all watched over and over again. And I have that, but I don't have full on like Disney love, love or Disney. Like my nostalgia doesn't really scream Disney as heavy as some so when disney plus launched i was like all right let's check this out and disney plus even to me is still i never think about it (laughs) i never go to it unless there's like i said a must watch or i just know hey i want to watch dr strange let me put it on disney plus Mm -hmm. Um, i don't i just i even with all the simpsons there i still just rarely ever think about going to disney plus it's really weird um, but then I go in and I'm like, oh, this could be cool. And this could be cool. And this could be cool. And then I forget I have Disney Plus. And, and, yeah. and then the other thing, it's like Jungle Cruise. I'm like, well, it'll be on Disney Plus some point this year. I'll just wait. I don't need to go to the show to see it because I know it's going to be on my TV. You know, that's probably the part, of, the part of the problem with a lot of these streaming things is I'm like, well, as we talked about, when's Shang-Chi going to be on Disney Plus? Oh, mm. October? I can wait that long. Oh, Jungle Cruise? Yeah, I don't need to go see that in theaters because I'll just be able to watch it at home. So whether or not that's good or bad, that it, it doesn't seem to be hurting them in any way. So I'm sure it's it's doing good. Definitely, obviously pumped to watch some of these shows. I'm very curious in Home Sweet Home Alone because I just I just imagine that being trash, and probably so. But I can't imagine uh, that being worth any time. But I'm gonna give it time, which is kind of hilarious. But it's super cool. Disney plus day. And like I said, getting a couple movies. I'm super pumped. As you said, for the, sp- the special celebrating, uh, Boba Fett, the special celebrating MCU, seeing maybe a She-Hulk com- trailer, seeing some other trailers and, or even just, Hey, we got a guardians of the galaxy Christmas special coming and we got this and we got that. So just, it's always nice when they sh- give us a little peek at, t- at what's coming, give us some new footage for the MCU. We're sure. super pumped about that, but yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with a giant content dump on a, any particular day and disney's got plenty of content to dump respect to the mouse man respect to the mouse (laughs) (laughs) and speaking of the mouse and walt disney company and the mcu we are finally able to talk about shang chi hopefully at this point everyone's had an opportunity to take a peek at it we wanted to give everyone some time if not the movie will be apparently on disney plus streaming for you if you did not want to go out to the show on friday november 12th so definitely uh bookmark this episode if you didn't make it to the movie come back to it after november 12th when you're able to watch it because we are going to do full spoilers into shang chi what we thought coming out of the credits we're going to do all of that but before we do we want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by anchor.fm all right don finally here shang chi the legend of the ten rings is now out in theaters this week it became the highest grossing film of 2021 and surpassed black widow so it's become it's becoming a a thing man and yeah i just saw i just saw like three weeks running it's it's held on to the number one spot which is usually a sign of a movie that people like and that's what it seems to be i haven't seen much negative love for this movie it's only Mm -hmm. been positive love I don't know negative what negative love. love is. 
I don't know what uh, that is, but I haven't seen that's it. That's a new one. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it yet. So yeah, no negative love for Shang Chi. No negative love for Shang Chi. It's only been positive love, good love, good vibes for this movie, and I agree with that, man. This movie was so much fun to see, and unlike Black Widow, in my opinion, honestly, it was worth waiting or at least seeing it on the big screen. I waited the couple weeks and was able to catch a Sunday afternoon showing with like just a handful of people, um, and had a good time with it. And it was it was worth watching on the big screen. Like I said, Black Widow. Nah, I did not need to see that on the big screen. I don't need to even see that movie again if I realistically, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Dang. Yeah, we're not here to bash Black Widow. We're here to bring some love to Shang-Chi. Don, how'd you feel about Shang-Chi? You hated it, didn't you? I hated it. It stinks. It stinks. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Absolutely not. Yeah, man, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I saw it in opening weekend. I gave it to the hype, like we talked about already before. Um, Went to see it, so forgive me if I'm a little loose on some of the details because it's been a little while, but uh, I'm glad you finally got to see it safely. And to all those listening, if you have seen it, awesome. If, If you haven't seen it and you can in a safe manner, I definitely suggest seeing it. If you do have to wait um, until it hits streaming, you know, that's fine too but i think everybody needs to see this whether you're a fan of mcu movies or or not it's just a damn good movie like in general outside of it being part of the mcu or a superhero movie or a martial arts flick however you want to however you want to stack it up i think there's something in here that everybody can find enjoyable it's just a good movie you know what i'm saying um so i loved it I i thought it was great uh, we can get into later like placements as as far as the MCU goes. I know that always that list always changes a lot where you kind of place movies, but I know I definitely know it's at least in my top, you know, ten. It could even crack the top five if I really thought about it. Um, I thought it was that good, and like you said, it's it was great to see it in the theater. That whole experience, the sound and the the visuals, and just the whole bombasticness of it. Uh, it's really a it's really a great movie to see in a theater if you can. So yeah, man, loved it. Yeah, it was it was super cool, and I enjoyed the uh, yeah. That's real deep thought, Chris. Super cool, <laughs> um, but um, it was different. Yeah, it had, it had the Marvelisms, and it had like you know things that we're expecting in an MCU movie. But at the same time, they did a lot of stuff different, and mm-hmm. they they told a different kind of story and i really wish they would have almost started this phase with this instead of black widow just because black widow meant nothing and this one really has a story to it it has characters that you care about it has a villain that you can be that's a sympathetic villain that you care that you care about and you understand what he was doing and why he was doing it you're able to tie it into past mcu movies and iron man and all of those other things that they did and then the action was just different they finally kind of because they went with that martial arts thing which i love martial arts flicks like i I just love a good choreographed fight and this one it wasn't just i mean they had their moments towards the end but it wasn't just let's just smash each other let's just punch each other through walls let's just beat on each other even though we're both beings that can't be hurt we're just going to keep punching each other hoping that one of us is going to hurt the other one and just kind of destruction and this turned into more just choreographed and even there were even scenes that were like beautiful in the way that they were doing it and very dance-like and 
you know, more defense and just the choreography was awesome. They just did yeah. a really great job with the choreography to make the fight scenes tell a story and matter. And I was so glad that they were able to capture that because that's what's great. Any good like martial arts or kung fu movie can do is tell the story through the choreography of the fights and the characters and who they are and what they're struggling with. And they were able to capture that with this movie, which is a great credit to the people who who worked on it and put it together because that's you know, makes the action have weight. And mm-hmm. this movie did that. And it was made it so it's just outside of just the visuals, the crouching tiger, hidden dragon, just beauty of it. It just, it was a great movie, man. It really was. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on all that, man. And you are a self-professed fan more so than me of like just the whole, I don't want to say Kung Fu, just like martial arts movies in general. Like I do enjoy a good martial arts movie, but I'm not like deep, deep into it. I know you've probably seen, you know, more than me, but I can appreciate a good one. And I know a good one when I see one. Mm -hmm. So uh, I definitely knew a good one when I saw it, when I was watching this, like this to me is just, it's the, it's the triumphant introduction of martial arts cinema into the MCU. Something that feels like we should have gotten to by now and haven't. And now we finally have, because just like you said, it's just, some beautiful cinematography and choreography with the fight scenes um more more believable fight action than i think we've ever seen in any mcu movie like the only one that can maybe lay a hand close to it is winter soldier yeah captain america winter soldiers fights but outside of that um man nothing really holds a candle that we've seen in the mcu to the the fighting in this from the from the bus scene in the first act to the um shang chi fighting on the side of a skyscraper and scaffolding god that was so cool yeah that was great fighting his father later on and and um flashback scenes of his father whipping ass and and man even like well i would i would say the bus scene to me is the standout action scene we can kind of talk about that but another one like you alluded to is the scene with um wenwu I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. We're all over the place. Like we're talking about characters before we even talked about them. But Wenwu, Shang-Chi's father, when he's fighting um, Lee, I think her name is, the yeah. mother, mm-hmm. who eventually becomes Shang-Chi's mother, their first interaction with each other. Man, that scene was beautiful. That was the just best like, scene in the movie. Yeah, it was just the best there. scene in the movie. Like I was watching that scene, and by the end of that scene, I was like, I love this movie just because of yeah. that scene. Like yeah. it was such, oh God, it was so greatly done. It's yeah. you know, throwing shit around. I'm excited, man. Um, <laughs> so I'm whipping stuff across the room. I got my little fidget cube here that keeps me keeps me busy while I'm standing here and throwing it across <laughs> the room because I'm wailing my arms around because I'm excited. That scene was phenomenal. It was it was done so well and had so much emotion from where it started to where it ended. And it was just beautifully yeah. done. And it had that crouching tiger hidden dragon where you find the romance within the choreography. It was great, man. Yeah, just wuxia i think is the how they call that kind of action like the kind of the weightless way they um the fighters move and it's it's very prominently used and like you said hidden the first thing that comes to mind is uh, crouching tiger hidden dragon but it's been used in other ways successfully but it, it was used really successfully here too they just kind of did a dance with each other mm-hmm. at the but it's it's a fight but it's also a dance and they and they took time to make sure you know we understood the emotion of the scene that these two are just meeting for the first time, but they're some, they're drawn to each other at the same time. There's a chemistry that's immediately there. Um, 
you know, taking the time to slow down and do longing looks and, and the, the, you know, I just got the better of you and you got the better of me and, Mm -hmm. and we're going to continue this dance and the back and forth of it was just, yeah, man, it was just gorgeous. Like a, it's a, it's a scene that, that definitely sticks with me. And I'm, I, I'm pretty sure stuck with a lot of people just as far as great filmmaking goes. Um, and and I, I just I just got emotional, like, I don't even want to say emotional, but even during a little bit emotional, even during like the bus scene mm-hmm. with just how free flowing and beautiful the action was like. It just I don't know what about it got to me that I was just like, man, this is so being so perfectly executed. Mm-hmm. This the 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 way these fights are going and. I don't know, man. Something about it just got me a little misty. I was like, huh. I had to clutch my chest. <laughs> like, man, I'm I'm seeing something amazing right now as far as the MCU is concerned, or even yeah. just like films in general. I don't know. It just made me feel feel weird, man. It made me feel weird. <laughs> it's and and like I said, Don wasn't kidding when he talked about I watch a lot of these types of movies. I sit I'm literally sitting here with a giant thousand page encyclopedia of martial <laughs> arts and uh cult asian action flicks that just gives you a breakdown of it so and i mean i'll look through it and just find random movies to watch and stuff um used to do it a lot more than i do now but yeah i was one of the things i was super excited about with this movie was i was hoping that they were going to be able to bring some of this into the mcu but not even the mcu as a whole but to a wider audience because it is you know martial arts flicks are usually more niche you have a couple that break through the kill bills I know the Raid Redemption ones did to a point, even though those are so subtitled and, and a little bit more foreign. So I know those didn't hit too heavy, but hit enough. You know, you get a couple come break through every once in a while, but never to this level, I don't think. Um, and to be able to put a lot of that on display was really a great thing. And the fact that it's taking off the way that it is and that people really are enjoying it. I'm hoping that it does encourage more copycats. Yeah, if that's the word, yeah. yeah. Uh, people seeing the the potential and being able to execute something like that yeah. to a wider audience, I could definitely see that. And I mean, we'll talk about it more, but like one of the last things I'll say about the martial arts as far as Shang-Chi goes is let's compare him to other characters in the MCU. If there's ever a fist fight, like a straight up fist fight, ain't nobody touching Shang-Chi right now. Like nobody's fighting like him no. uh, at all. I don't care who you say, like Bucky or or whoever else you want to put up there. Like, no, he's he's whooping anybody's ass at this point yeah. <laughs> with the way that guy can move. He, uh, but what I would enjoy if you pull the rings out of it, the magical yeah. powers, you know, throw him up against Matt Murdock and give some Daredevil, give us some Ooh, good, like, give us some good, good one. one cut, you know, action scenes like Daredevil was amazing at. And Shang-Chi even did on the bus scene. They did a little one take action with the camera following and the tracking. Um, give them a good tracking fight. And I could imagine that could be, yeah, that, that could be something that right could there. be something worth watching. Yeah. As I mean, as far as the, we, we've all, we yes. all hope they bring back Charlie Cox as a daredevil eventually, or some mm-hmm. form of daredevil. That would be fun. But I've also read people saying like, this is redemption for iron fist. Mm-hmm which I never watched because I kind of, you know, the, the Marvel Netflix universe kind of like put a sour taste in my mouth before that even came out. So I just kind of like, eh, it doesn't look great to me. It passed. 
I guess I, I'm kind of glad I did. Not a lot of people liked it. And they said it was super disappointing because that's what they wanted out of that show was like a great intro of martial arts into the MCU. And I guess it's super disappointed. I can't speak on it because I haven't watched it. I'm just judging by what people said. So if this is redemption for those people, hopefully you got it because uh, like I said at the beginning, a triumphant introduction of martial arts into the MCU. Well, and I think that I think that Iron Fist, once again, I didn't watch it either. So I'm only speaking through other people what you've read right what i've read but i think iron fist 2 and i i could be wrong with this from a timetable standpoint but i believe that that was the first introduction into like the mystic arts i'm pretty sure it was before dr strange hit theaters right 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 so this that was supposed to be the first introduction of the martial arts but also the mystic arts and the magic side of the mcu was the first time that that was being shown and from our understanding they didn't hit where they needed to hit and apparently even when one of the videos I was watching to prepare for this with Shang-Chi, they apparently had that cave in Iron Fist, like the mm-hmm. cave with, within Tao Lu, Lo, that, or what was it? Tao Lu? Lo. Tao Lu. The mystical island. There was that, apparently that cave and that doorway to the other universes and stuff was in Iron Fist in one way and talked about there and still wasn't done right. Done right in a way that really made any marks. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I still, part of me really wants to watch those shows, but I just don't know about it. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're going to break no. down Shang Chi a little bit more. Let me give a quick rundown here just a little bit so we can put some context to context. It. That's the word, man. My words are now with me today. I'm, <laughs> I'm too excited. So we basically kicked off this movie talking about, uh, Wen Wu, the Mandarin, and basically talking about the Ten Rings army and for the thousand years that he controlled with, you know, the world with his iron fist and these Ten Rings. They talked about the Napoleonic Wars and how he was brought them to their knees and ended that. They talked about all these different eras in time over the course of a thousand years that Wen Wu was able to stay into power. And then basically told us the story about when he made it to Talo. And needed to find them because they were supposedly the only power stronger than him. And he went and they did those cool scenes with those trees, the tree maze. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, that was great. And then they had that scene. We basically set up where Wen Wu met Lee, who was his wife. And he was willing to put away the rings for her to be able to live in happiness and love. You know, they fell in love. He would, they both gave up their power so they could be together. And then they had, uh, Shang-Chi and Shang-Chi's sister. Shang-Chi's sister, <laughs> yes. Her name I is Xiling. 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 Xiling, yes. Xiling. I, I did, she wasn't up on the top cast of IMDb. I had to hit that over button. Xiling. Uh, right. And, uh, but then something happens, which they don't really tell you in the movie, but something happens. Their mother died. And when Wu went back to the rings and he's doing his own thing and he trained shang to be an assassin assassin, a warrior and stuff why zia ling because she was a girl was not allowed to do this so then kind of do that and then shang turned into sean and he moved to san francisco and ran away for 10 years to try to get away from his father abandon his sister and we did all that stuff and then the basically the rest of the movie at that point was to bring back family tying them to back together and when Wu's search to try to abolish death <laughs> yeah is that so there's a is, lot, is that his lot going goal? on and then of course there is aquafina who plays katie who is sean's best friend 
and she goes along on the adventure to add comic relief and give us somebody who all the characters can explain stuff to so we're not in the dark yeah that's that's her role pretty much but um yeah we can kind of get into the characters a little bit the main main protagonist main protagonist clearly is shang chi who it's shang chi not the not shang chi like we've been pronouncing our entire lives just because that's how it's read but when you finally hear it like oh yeah that makes much more sense mm-hmm. um so it's shang chi uh played by simu liu and i thought he did a really good job in this um mm-hmm. you know he when you introduce a new brand new character there's a lot of a lot of pressure on their shoulders to like do a good job but i thought he met that he met that pretty well he he presented to me as a relatable um relatable hero and just pretty much enjoyable you know what i mean i just enjoyed him whenever he's on screen nothing you know made me be like eye roll and be like ah this guy's in over his head i thought he really did did a great job with the role Mm -hmm. um I may have read somewhere he wasn't a big martial arts guy even before this, and he did a lot of training to get to where he got. And if that's true, then man, kudos to him because he really pulled off, um, you know, the the action part of it, but also just the 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 funniness of him. You know, you, he's got a couple jokes in there. He's got to be a wisecracking guy, but also just the heart to the movie, like his emotion. I thought he did a really good job. So, what did you think that as well, yeah. or? Yeah, he had the charisma. He had the the action. He was believable in what he was doing. Uh, he was able to bring out, but yeah, that charisma, and he fit right in with the MCU and being able to crack a couple little jokes. He worked well with the the cast that he had around him, and he was able to evoke emotion when he needed to and be serious when he needed to be serious. He had layers. That was the best thing about this movie is all these characters had layers. There was something yeah. underneath the surface for everyone. There was nobody... There, there really was, wasn't wasted characters. Mostly, we had a little, but not right. Right. A lot of these, a lot of these movies, um, you can after you've watched it, you can pick out just who was the throwaway characters. Like, ah, that person was just in there for this or that, and we didn't even really need them. But everybody kind of felt like they served a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, like even Aquafina. I mean, you said she's there for the comic relief, but she was really, I felt like a good, a good addition and a good you know, whenever she's on screen, I wasn't, you know, upset. She was there. She had her jokes and she was there for the comedy, but she also kind of kept, uh, Shang-Chi grounded the entire time. And like, like you said, asked the questions that we viewers, like we're in her role of like, Oh, we're learning what's going on the same time she is. And, and, you know, by the end of this movie, you know, spoilers, clearly spoilers, whatever, but she, she played her role as well. Like she grew along with him and took the entire journey with him. And we can even see in the future, it seems she's going to be with him as well. Yeah. So, you know, we've had great duos in the MCU uh, going back to, you know, Cap and Bucky and you got Rocket and Groot and you got these people you pair together all the time that just seem like they belong together. Yeah. I feel like that that's going to be Shang and Katie. Um, and that's the way they're making it seem. So, yeah. Um, well, they gave her she had an arc she had a Mm -hmm. character they gave her we saw her family we saw what they were trying to get her to do you saw that she was kind of like a slacker with sean and just oh we want to just park cars and we're cool and we don't have to grow up and we don't have to do these things and you got to see her fight for something you got to see her you know you got to see her grow she yeah she grew as a person along with him 
Totally. Yeah, a different yeah. way, but she still at least had a path and an arc, and she changed as well. And I mean, they obviously clearly showed that because they had that they had that dinner with their friends where they were like basically telling them, "Hey, aren't you guys going to grow up?" And then they went back at the end and showed that they did. Yeah, yeah, that was and, great. You know, it was just a you know they gave her she got to go along just as much and had just as much of a story as Sean did, which was um, which isn't always done in these movies. Yeah. And one last thing I will say about her character and her interaction with uh, Shang in general was I'm super glad that they just kept them as friends. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just like a hidden love story the whole time. Cause that's all, that's what these movies always do. It's like, uh, so they gotta be in love. They have to be in love. Love has to be the, the final thing. Like Shang and Katie have to kiss at the end and realize they, they are meant for each other. No, man, they didn't do that. They, that's a realistic thing. You know, a man and a woman can be friends with each other. And like, I'm glad they didn't make it seem like every man and woman who are friends with each other have to fall in love by the end of every movie. Cause that's always what happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad they just kept it like, like they did. They, but I will tell you, they got me. How's how so? How so, my friend? They got me during that that fight that they did at the uh, the fight club where they were on the scaffolding. Mm-hmm. I honest to God thought they were. I thought she was dead when when Katie <laughs> fell off. When Katie fell off the thing where they were hanging, and she's like, "Sean, come get me!" And you had this whole thing, and I was sitting there. She's hanging there on this like bamboo pole, hanging over this like the city where she falls she's going to die and then he's trying to get to her and you have this suspense and this action and stuff and then all of a sudden she just dropped and he was you like no you, and they you did thought that they were pulling you thought they were pulling a gwen stacy uh yeah um, man they did that they did the hans gruber shot from die hard where she's looking yeah. in the camera and she's falling in slow motion and i'm like and my brain is racing i'm like who's going to catch her because he's not anywhere near her and he can't fly. So I'm like, is someone, I, I was like, is a new character going to come in? What's going to happen? And they dragged it out just long enough where my brain clicked and go, did they just kill her? Like, <laughs> did this get dark? And then the, then the sisters, Eileen showed up and saved the day because obviously that character, there were no other characters to save her. So if Sean couldn't right. save her, no one else was there because I didn't know the sister was going to come back. So they got me, man. I really, I honest yeah. to God thought for a, for a second that, Katie I ran through all the options in my head and I was like who can fly nobody could fly who's gonna catch this girl and I thought they were gonna kill her I thought, like, I thought there were gonna be some stakes man you're like Falcon's not in this movie like yeah, I was other. like I'm, I, I literally was thinking Falcon Captain Marvel who flies nobody's in this movie this ain't gonna work yeah yeah, yeah. taking myself back there yeah that was that was one where I was like are they gonna do it I don't know if they're gonna do it that would make this movie really dark all of a sudden and yeah. Shang's gonna be pissed for the rest of the movie yeah, uh, but that's funny. That's totally but yeah, they got me. They did it in a way. It was like you know Charlie from Lost, where they went to commercial after he was dead, and then you you were like, oh my god, they went to commercial, and we sat there for three minutes thinking this dude was dead, and everybody, <laughs> and then that's been copied a million times since then, where you'll let people stay dead a little bit longer than you normally would, and I, they did that with this one, taking it back a little bit for you Lost fans out there. Yeah, we're out there. Lost <laughs> fans are out there. Uh, never went anywhere yeah, man. but here as long as we're on characters yeah we, we have to talk about Wenwu yeah um Tony Lung Wenwu Mandarin whatever you want to call him uh dude is he not is he not the 
if not the heart of this movie, like the star of this movie. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I've, I've, we've talked about Marvel movies before, and I've been on record as saying they have a villain problem. They didn't have it here. He's he he had a full arc, full story. Uh, everything that kind of happens in this movie revolves around him. Mm-hmm. Tony Tony Lung does a fantastic job. Um, it's notable that this is his first American movie. He's mm-hmm. said like he's a he's a huge actor in Hong Kong, and you know a super well known guy over there. Um, it's crazy that he's never done a movie in English, but he's also said like he's been fluent in English, but he's never done a movie in English. Mm-hmm. This is his first time. I just found that really interesting. It is, but um. Man, just everything about everything about the way he delivered his lines, um, the looks he would give, just like the how human he was, and how you could just relate to, you could relate to everything he was doing and why he was doing it. No matter how bad it seems, like no no matter if he's killing people or or you know conquering people or he's an evil conqueror, everything he did had a reason that was presented to you in a way that's like, yeah, I can understand why someone would do that. And I feel like that's the issue we've run into with Marvel villains. Sometimes like, okay, they're doing bad things, but I don't know why they're doing bad things. So why do I care? Like they haven't explained to me why it's important to this person to do this. So to me, they're just an asshole, but like with one woo, everything he's doing, it's for the love of his, people it's for the love of his wife it's for the love of his children and even if it may come off as being bad it's something where you could do man if i was in that situation if if my if my wife was taken from me who knows what lengths i would go to to do like get revenge or do what i had to do to do this and like man i totally understand that guy and especially if you had powers if you had if you you had powers right you've lived for a thousand years you've seen more than you can imagine i mean you put yourself in his shoes yeah what would you do i mean why wouldn't you do the things that he did if you were in his position exactly like the end of this movie you know the whole third act is everything's going to shit because he's convinced that he can bring his wife back and he hears her voice and it doesn't matter what anybody else tells him is really going on it's like no i'm going to get her i'm going to find her because she was taken from me Mm -hmm. and yeah, man, that's the kind of shit where it's like, yeah, if I thought I could bring back a loved one, you know, who knows what I would do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so it, you don't get that very often with MCU villains, like them to go that deep and that that just nuanced into a character. So uh, I I put Wen Wu Mandarin towards the top of my Marvel villains list, man, all time. Easily. Uh, e- Easily. Okay. Yeah, easily. And and speaking back with the actor and just how well he actually did, if you really think about the MCU as a whole, obviously, everybody's been in MCU movies at this point. It's almost like you've either been in an MCU movie or a Fast and the Furious movie, and they've got uh, attracted lots of award winners. And sometimes you're even wondering, like, why is Robert Redford in Captain America? You know, like, they get a lot of crazy actors and stuff, but you never see them act like they still fall into the mcu mold you never you rarely get to see anybody really put 
like act like really do put in put in a performance that's worth talking about you know we we always talk about chadwick boseman who was that character you know uh michael b jordan as killmonger had some of that where he had that emotion and had that raw thing but usually you see these big name act i mean even you look at angelina jolie who's an award winner academy award actress i mean granted we've only seen a couple shots in the trailer but do you imagine her bringing any of those acting chops to that movie Right. No, probably not. I mean, you got Ben Kingsley. You know what Ben Ben Kingsley can do. And yeah, he's comedic relief in this movie and in his other movies. But you just you never they still just fit into what the MCU mold was, where with this movie, he really felt like he was bringing something special. And he was really, like you said, with his looks and with that, it just felt it felt different. And it made yeah. it, it made the movie a joy to watch and when he popped up on the screen you were excited to see him yeah i'm i'm absolutely 100% with you and i i hate to make a comparison to like uh, a different universe and a different superhero thing but it's like and he was nothing like this character they're completely two different things but i want to say like um heath ledger's joker in the dark knight Mm-hmm. Every time he's on screen, you're paying attention for a different way, mm-hmm. in a different way, mm-hmm. just because you were like, man, this guy is bringing something to the table that is so unexpected for a supervillain in a movie. When you imagine a supervillain in a movie, you're just like, okay, they're just going to kind of play the role and be bad to be bad. But just like the the nuances and the, um, you know, intricacies of the performance in that movie every time he popped up on screen you're just like whoa yeah like my eyes are wide i gotta pay attention and that is kind of what it was with when Wu in this movie every time he every time he's coming up and i'm like this is a when Wu scene i'm like wow i have to pay attention to what's going on because this guy is really bringing his a game to this yeah. and he doesn't care he he's not He's not, like you said, playing into the role of, well, this is how MCU does their villains. He's like, no, I'm bringing it in this movie. Like you gave me the lines, but I'm going to, I'm bringing the, I'm bringing the heat with this shit. And uh, that's definitely what he did. Uh, One of the standout scenes to me in this is the flashbacks, which the flashbacks on another note were done really well in this movie. I really liked how they were used. Um, You know, they put them in here and there, but they weren't like, too jarring they just kind of came at the right time to Mm -hmm. give you enough of the backstory you needed um but the scene where after his wife dies by the gang who was trying to kill him and he's back to 100 percent, i'm back to being you know 10 rings guy after i've given it up and now i'm back because you killed my wife so i'm coming for you when he brings his son shang young shang chi with him into the um bar to kill the gang who's who's killed his wife that was another standout scene to this movie like the action in that was freaking fantastic like this is revenge scene action that i just love when people finally get what's coming to them like i love that i love that scene yeah no absolutely yeah, I mean, we can go on all day. And, we could. And, and just to show that we're not the only ones that even, and I mean, he could be obviously just blowing smoke because he's promoting, but even like there were articles and stories and interviews of Kevin Feige basically saying that Tony Luang was the first person that left him speechless. Like it was mm-hmm. like meeting a completely different type of movie star, another complete and how honored they were that he was actually picked this movie to be his first Hollywood film and just that 
it he's next level and you could tell on this i mean you could tell from the performance if it just was another typical mcu villain performance i would be like eh, whatever but it was different yeah it was special it was, it was special, special i don't i don't know what watching. else to say about it <laughs> yeah uh, so then let's move on over to ben kingsley popping up in this movie reprising his role of trevin trevor slatery from trevor, iron man 3 trevor who we found out, you know, was originally supposed to be the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. And then they did a swerve on everybody during that, towards the end of that movie where they did the reveal that he was really just an actor who was hired and that Guy Pierce's character basically stole all the Ten Rings paraphernalia and the character named it the Mandarin and was kind of created a terrorist that Ben Kingsley's Trevor was playing. And they did do the, the one shot, the all hail to the king, where they showed Trevor in prison. And then the real Ten Rings and the real Mandarin, which now we have to, you know, obviously it was Wen Wu kidnapped him to mm-hmm. um, basically kill him. But then when they were getting ready to kill him, uh, Trevor started reciting Macbeth and they everyone enjoyed it. So they just kept him around to put on performances and entertain like a gesture, jester. And yes. he popped up in this movie, so they basically kind of went, got to backtrack a little bit and say, "Yeah, we did that on purpose." <laughs> right. This is you a, know this wasn't their plan. No, no, no. And but it is a good way to rebound and like make a make things right from I guess one of the things that's considered widely to be one of the larger missteps in the MCU the the original use of the Mandarin, mm-hmm. and this was a nice way to kind of explain that away. Yeah. Um, you know, even, even when Wu makes comments during the, when his two children are back at the uh, dinner table with him and they talk about the Mandarin and he's saying, you know, they called him the Mandarin and he makes a joke about it. Like they named me after a fruit or a drink or whatever, an orange, an orange. And like, just to laugh about it and like, Oh my God, that's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. I'm glad, I'm glad he didn't go by the Mandarin. He's not that name. He makes fun of that name. He thinks it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, but he has been the Mandarin the entire time. Like he is the real Mandarin. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as, as Ben Kingsley in this movie, if, if Aquafina is like the comic relief one, a, he's probably like the one B or you could even inter- interchange him. Maybe he's the one A and she's the one B, but he was, he was good in this movie. He had, he had a lot of funny stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah they tagged know, out. It was a relay race. She carried the front half of the movie. He carried the yeah. back half. Definitely. She, she kind of changed her character as her character changed. She stepped out of that role and Trevor right. stepped in, stepped into it and ran carried throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. He had a lot of, a lot of funny parts and uh, we got introduced to Morris, his mm-hmm. little buddy who's going to probably sell a million toys at Christmas yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was a fan. I, I'm glad I, I appreciated the, the fix and the, just the, kind of retconning of the mandarin name and also having ben kingsley reprise the role as trevor was fun so i'm glad they went there it was good but how ridiculous was it that they mm-hmm. locked up when we kidnaps his kids grabs katie explains what he wants to do this is my mission i'm gonna go save my wife she's talking to me they're keeping her in uh Talo. And her people are keeping her hidden and she's locked up and I'm going to save my wife and my kids are going to come with me. And you have this whole thing. And then he locks them up in the dungeon and then they literally just walk through the dungeon and just find Trevor. (laughs) And then Trevor just happens to have Morris, this creature that happens to be from the (laughs) land that they're in, who happens to know the way. So they're like, well, 
how do we get out of here? And then you have Xiling comes in and she goes, oh, I know how to get out because I did it before. Come on, let's go. And they just broke out of yeah. prison. I was like, come on, man. That was like, they didn't even put that as a challenge. There was, there was nothing inconvenient yeah. or anything about that. It was just like, oh, we just need to be down in this prison for two minutes for plot points. And then we're off. <laughs> I get you. Everything did kind of fit a little too easily there. Everything Way too easily a, there. The, the path was just a straight line. So they yes. didn't have to like do much. Uh, there was nothing to get from like act. You know, you got through act one and act two and then heading into that final act on Tao Lo was just like, all right, we just need to get them there. We don't care how they get there. Oh, yeah, we'll have a creature that we can name Morris. It'll be funny. It'll be cute. Okay. We need to grab Trevor. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were just checking boxes for that about 20 minutes. I agree with you. We can agree on that. But that did lead us to Tao Lo, which was a new geographical location never before seen in the MCU introduced to us. And man, I'm 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 very appreciative of this place. I'm glad that it wasn't spoiled in any trailers. A lot of things that when you know they're they're arriving there and they're first seeing for the first time, like uh, those big dog mystical dog creatures, and everything's kind of it's a mystical new area that we can kind of add to the MCU mythos with like you know what we got Wakanda was a new place and that was exciting to see for the first time. So, uh, yeah, Madripoor, all these new locations. I'm glad it's an ever expanding universe. And Talo is really cool, man. I'm, I'm, like I said, my main thing is I'm glad it wasn't spoiled for me in trailers that they were going to get to this place because visually it was very cool. Oh, yeah. And I love that so much of it was just tied around like Asian Chinese culture. Yes. So it's like all of those creatures are just right from Chinese folklore stories actual statues you know like those everything was real you know they they brought to life a lot of chinese just like i said folk tales fables stories i mean whatever whatever you want to call it, but just that chinese culture was brought to life and yeah, seeing in a, those in creatures a be alive yeah it was it was really a great just it was kind of a oh, moment you know and to see those things blended in and the special effects were obviously top notch so it just looked good and it blended in nicely with so much of the realism that was there. And it was just gorgeous. I mean, this whole movie was gorgeous. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, and by the time we get here in, into this area, we're already into the second act, third act. Um, so we can kind of touch on the third act a little bit if you yep. want. I don't know what you thought about it, but I felt there was a big shift from the first and second act to the third act mm-hmm. um like the first act the action and everything the fighting and everything was very realistic based realism based mm-hmm. like kung fu martial arts whatever you want to call it and then by the time we get to the third act in the end you know we got dragons flying around we have huge explosions we got a giant soul sucker coming out um now whenever when Wenwu pops up again and he's fighting Shang-Chi, it's very CGI heavy. They're using the rings. The rings are heavily featured. And that was a big shift to me from the first act, from like the more very realistic, you know, like you said, blocking and parrying and kicks and, 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 and martial arts that we had. And that was a little bit, I don't, it wasn't bad because it was still easy to follow, but it was just a little 
too big of a tone shift to me. Like, I wish they would have maybe kept a little bit of the tone of the first act in the third act. Like when Wen Wu and Shang-Chi finally decide to have their big fight at the end, it's all been boiling down to this. They use the rings and, and, and are flying around and the rings are flying. And I know you got to show the rings because that's what this movie's about. But man, if they could have just had like a classic hand-to-hand fight, um, I would have loved that too. Maybe even more. I don't know. I don't know. Did you feel that shift a little oh, bit? Absolutely. I wish they would have had the guts to not go MCU with the third act. The third right. act just went to what everybody who was going to see a Marvel movie would expect. The big CGI, the faceless enemies that you're just, you know, oh, we got all these little faceless, soul-sucking little bats that are coming there and we can just destroy all of them because of this. And it was visually beautiful. They did a better job in this movie than previous Marvel movies, third acts, where every, everybody was color-coded. You had the bad guys in blue and the good guys in red. The little right. creatures you could see better than most. You know, you watch the end of Endgame sometimes or even we're watching Black Widow. I'm like, there's so much going on. I don't know who's who. I don't know who's fighting who. You know, <laughs> right. everybody's just wearing black and they're just fighting and i'm like is that taskmaster is that this is that that and you get lost and then you stop caring this one kept me engaged but yes i wish they wouldn't have tonally shifted as heavy as they did to just go all right this is a marvel movie so we need to give that audience that as well and i really wish they would have been able to refrain from that and like you said do a little bit more of a personal climax Mm -hmm. I right. think would have been cool. I don't think it needed the soul suckers and all of that stuff. I think you could have still told the story. Now, of course, the dragon coming out. I mean, all of that was cool. I can't I can't say that it wasn't cool to watch. It wasn't, I mean, it was visually right. well done. The dragon was super cool. The soul sucker. I mean, I, I, I was watching that going, oh man, this is cool. And I enjoyed all of that. But yes, looking back at it, stepping out of the movie, it's like, yeah, man, it would have been it could have been so much cooler if they would have been able to just tone it down that little bit and not go full MCU with it. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Um, not like like I said, this is all just to say that it wasn't bad. No, it wasn't not bad even. they did, but it it's it's just more sticking to the MCU formula. The the you know, like you said, the huge third act where everything's exploding and there's a huge field where there's a hundred people fighting and monsters and, 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 and big lights and everything that was, that was fun, but it wasn't the tone of the beginning of the movie, which I loved so much. So that's it. Yeah. So now speaking of the MCU, we're talking about where this fits in, where this goes, where we're going. And we had uh, Michelle Yeoh who played Ying Nan. Mm -hmm. Nan? I think it's Ying Nan. Ying Nan. She was basically, basically, she is Xiling and Shang-Chi's aunt. Correct. And she is in this place, this uh, Talo place. So she kind of welcomes them in. She's kind of their, their door. Okay, let them in. They're okay. And mm-hmm. but she's, she's the one teaching Sean about the Talo way of doing things and finding the yin and the yang and the balance between the rings and that power and that anger. And then the peaceful, more, you know, elemental thing as she's, you know, making wind swirl up and doing a bunch of stuff. And she does when they're explaining a bunch of stuff and they're talking about the rings. She actually even has a quote in there where she basically says, these rings are like nothing you've ever seen in your universe. Mm -hmm. And that seemed very specific, like, Hmm. Why did she say that now? And then you make you wonder, well, is Tao Lo 
where does this tie in with Loki, the multiverse, Doctor Strange? You know, Wong was obviously in this. We saw him in the trailers. We haven't really talked about him and the big mm-hmm. abomination fight, which, like I said, was more of a joke than an actual plot point. But sure. It still was like one of those things like, now, where does this land, where does this new location fit in with the multiverse? Are these people of Talo there to keep balance between all the multiverses? Are they, you know, she seemed to know where these rings came from. But when we hit the mid credit scene, they didn't, nobody knows where these rings came from. So it's like, hmm, where did, where do you feel with any of that? Like where Shang-Chi fits in his future coming in out of this movie with the MCU? Where do you think these rings like yeah. how how does this how does how does this how where do we go moving forward? Yeah, um, this is a this is an old Marvel trick they like to do. Mm-hmm. They 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 present you with an idea, um, a question at the end of you know some of their movies that don't have an answer in this movie, and it's kind of just like the wink wink nudge nudge. You'll find out more later. We're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna we're gonna tell you more about this later. Just gonna wet your whistle with it a little bit. And that's exactly kind of what they did with uh, the Ten Rings, um, them not knowing what they are, where they're from. They're a beacon to somebody, they kind of said, in yep. that uh, mid credit scene, which features Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Even though he's not Professor Hulk, for some reason, we don't yeah, know when why. When did he go back I, to Bruce Banner? Because last yeah, I, time we saw him, he was all post-snap yeah. Hulk, who was all burned up and... Yeah, I thought he was permanently supposed to be Professor Hulk. I don't know why they changed back to him. That's not explained. But he at was still it, wearing the sling. Yeah, at least his arm was in a sling, so you could. They're still carrying that over. Like, yeah, he's still injured from what he did in um, Infinity War. Uh, I don't know. That's another question we'll have to get to because he's also supposed to be in She-Hulk. So we'll see what else happens with that. I he's one person who I did not expect to to pop up in this movie so that was kind of surprising but then the second character is captain marvel and she's she's in there and and trying to answer the question to wong and shang chi of what these um things are so i don't know it seems like they are definitely going to play a role in what's moving forward who are they a beacon to does this have to do with the multiverse are they going a different route um will they talk about will they talk about the ten rings and the eternals as as soon as the eternals or or what um yeah are these the new infinity stones potentially it could be um yeah they're very similar in comic books they're very similar to the infinity stones i mean even to the point that in uh, many comic books they were actual rings which then really would have been too similar so they made the changes to where they were kind of like bracelets a little bit more and really changed the design of them so they don't look like infinity stones but very similar if they're sending out a beacon to somebody who's coming who wants them you got like i said you got ying nan who's basically saying hey these aren't from your universe (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then we have like i said hulk and captain marvel coming in at the end basically saying also the same thing this isn't from your universe and then we're coming into this multiverse secret wars multiversal war coming up after loki heading into spider-man and dr strange so shang chi coming into this movie i was literally going i don't know how this movie fits into anything that's coming on or where we're going or how we're doing and then they really once again proved me wrong by saying oh yeah it's gonna fit in hella good <laughs> yeah yeah they they could be the center of what's coming next but we've said that about a lot of things so we don't yeah. know we it's don't hard know to, yeah. it's everything's hard. been the center yeah we've been like yeah. wandavision i think is the center <laughs> yeah uh it's hard to predict spider-man is the catalyst for everything he's gonna save the everyone um yeah, 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 yeah. 
I don't know. We, we're going to have to wait and find out. And that's the fun part of it. Of it just, it just, uh, it's fun to know that Shang-Chi is going to be more heavily involved moving into the future. I'm, I'm excited to see when he's going to pop up next. I'm 100% positive they will make a sequel to this movie. Yeah. But I can say, you know, with some confidence that I, that probably won't be the next time he pops up. We'll probably see him again in something else. Uh, sooner than that i would i would think because they seem like they're kind of pulling him in he 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 seems like he could be a member of the avengers easily um with whatever next team they decide to build and a pretty important character because the ten rings could be you know the center of some important storytelling well especially if like you said, we're talking otherworldly. We're talking beacons to something that we don't know. We know Eternals is coming up. They've already shown Celestials in this universe. And that's, you know, trying to explain what the Eternals are and who they are and how they're there to basically protect the Celestials and do all that stuff. And then there's a whole other. I watched, like I told you before we recorded, I watched something, some theory people talking about the Celestials and Galactus and what's Sha- where's Shang-Chi's role in who's he trying to protect with the rings and where's the beacon and it's all celestials and impregnating planets and it blew my mind and i I can't wrap my brain around that at this exact (laughs) moment and maybe we'll have to speculate a little heavier but coming in with the eternals we know that there are like celestials and this so i mean i wouldn't even be surprised if he popped up in that movie in some way you know and definitely by dr strange because he ran around with wong by the end of this movie so i can easily see him popping up in the multiverse of madness and once again especially if these rings have anything to do with celestials or the multiverse in any way coming from another dimension i can easily see him popping up in either one of those movies because he has to you know i mean if he's the catalyst if these rings are the catalyst Mm. for a lot of things I can, I mean, he's got to, obviously they're attached to him now. Yeah, definitely. And, and us as fans, I will say we, we love the MCU, how, how over these 25 movies, they are connecting everything and how it's just one big universe. That's why mm-hmm. we love it so much. That's mm-hmm. why we re- read comic books and why we love when people pop up in other people's books and how everything's connected. And one thing that happens in this is affects the other thing. That's why we like this so much. Yeah. But I will say about Shang-Chi is I definitely appreciate that it kind of had its own, it had its own identity throughout the entire movie and did not depend on being part of the MCU to be a success. Like this could have been a standalone movie that wasn't a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie and still been just as good. Yeah. Like it tied in at the end a little bit and they talked about the blip for a second uh thanos's blip in the movie but outside of that there was really no like we don't need iron man to pop up in this movie we don't need a thor cameo like we're in san francisco they could have easily thrown ant-man in there because that's his home base of operations and i read something earlier that they they thought about throwing ant-man in this movie because it was in san francisco they didn't do that and they didn't have to do that like they had their own vision their own self-contained story that they told in a good in a good way that you could appreciate it as its own like standalone thing, and I'm really glad about that because sometimes the MCU does get a little too overboard with the tying into everything. Like, mm-hmm. well, this has to tie with this, and this you have to have seen this to appreciate this, and you got to remember this scene to know this scene. They sometimes we get a little overbogged with that stuff, and by them not doing that in this movie, I felt was a accomplishment in itself. 
uh, a little bit, you know. Absolutely agree, man. Like I said, love this movie. This, this was <laughs> yeah. just great. I'm ready to watch it again. I'm re- going to be there Disney Plus Day probably to watch it again. I'm I'm seriously considering trying to see it one more time in theaters um, just because it was a good time. We did have, before we really wrap up, we did have a post credit scene that did show Zia Ling, Sean's sister. Basically, they said it towards the end of the movie that she went to go dismantle the Ten Rings and their their father's army and thing. And then they showed that she was not doing that. And she had her own army that she was training to basically pick up where her father left off with the Uh Ten Rings and become the leader of that organization. So that was kind of a where, you know, where we're going. Yeah, that was that was fun. I mean, I I liked the mid credit scene a little better though. That last one was it was there. It was cool. I'm I it's kind of introducing or saying the 10 rings is here as an organization you're going to have to remember. Yes. Like so now so now keep in your mind, you know, we got shield running around, we got hydra, we have sword now, which was introduced in WandaVision, another organization. And now it's like, okay, don't forget the 10 rings, they're over here too. They they're operating in this universe. Uh, so having them, who knows what, who knows what the red gonna, flags or what were they in the flag smashers, flag yeah. smashers, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we got a lot of different groups, a lot of different factions, and this is just another one to add to the list. Um, I'm not positive on what the direction of 10 rings will be. Is it, is she just going to pick up where her dad left off? Who knows? Cause she kind of had a heroic arc throughout this. So it's hard to see her just all of a sudden becoming like, she's the new Mandarin huge villain. Um, I don't know what they're exactly going to do with it, but it did let us know that the Ten Rings is is a organization that's going to be around to wreak whatever havoc they're going to do, or or be a good, be a on the side of good. Who knows? But just a, another glimpse into the future. Yeah, and that and it's a future I'm super excited for. I'm a little bit more excited for the Eternals now um, because now I have an idea of what these new movies this is really the first taste of something new that we've gotten since endgame um because you know we got spider-man after endgame which was okay cool yeah but that's still more of the same of what it was and i enjoyed that Mm. and then the next thing we had outside of the the disney plus shows was from a movie standpoint we had black widow which once again that to me was just more of the same and it is what it was and we've talked about that to death so this is like a really fresh taste and this is something new and fresh and i really yeah you know, enjoyed it. Yeah. I love the take on it. Um, and, and just like to kind of close it out, I want to just talk about like the, the cultural significance of this movie is mm-hmm. I feel really important to kind of bring up because it was very, um, culturally forward thinking and it's, it's been a while since they've kind of done one like that. Um, you know, the first thing that pops to mind is Black Panther, where you kind of get to see a a different um, a different group that you're not so used to in in your superhero world. You know, we've had a ton of you know Captain Americas and Thors and everything, but when you can really dig into a a movie where the hero is a different culture and something something that doesn't get the spotlight all the time, I feel like that's really important as far as the movie itself and just who it kind of speaks to, like it reaches out to different people who, who haven't gotten to, we've talked about this before, but haven't gotten to see themselves on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about you, but I, uh, I saw this in opening weekend and I'm sitting there, you know, I went to see it by myself. I'm sitting there. I got there kind of early 
and you know the 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 different groups of people walking into this movie was very inspiring to me and and made me very happy to see you know like um asian american parents and their kids coming in to see this movie like a lot of them more than more than you know i've seen before and it, it it's it was really important to me to see that that they finally get to see somebody who kind of you know represents them you know what i'm saying on being screen a superhero. on screen and being a hero and 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 feeling important and feeling like you know these stories matter as much as uh every everything else we've had throughout you know the the previous decades and it's 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 nice to see finally um different stories being told from different perspectives of different people like i said we got it in black panther and and also even you know just like women as well with with wonder woman and what captain marvel did for for little girls and and um what this does for you know different i don't know this yeah, is just the, a wrong... the inclusion element the inclusion element yeah, like you said of everyone being able to see themselves on screen and one of the things that they did with this movie then they did the same thing with black panther which is you know celebrating the culture and really yes. making some of those the cultural relevance and the cultural you know the things from that culture and then putting them in the movie and putting them on display and like with this one they had that chinese culture they had those chinese stories those chinese creatures you know talked about how death is the day of the dead in in china is different than the day of the dead in mexico and talk about how they handle their dead in the shrines and i mean they really were trying to educate everybody onto their culture and how they do those things and that's just something you don't i mean you never see unless you go look for that type of content you just don't know um that this is how other cultures do other things and to be able to put that on a large scale like this a marvel movie that everyone in the world is going to go see just because it's an mcu movie and now everybody got to see these other people do these things that they're used to seeing you know chris pratt do (laughs) (laughs) exactly so you're able you're able to you know see those things but then also see a piece of you're not just shoehorning them into our culture you're not just melting potting them to us we're celebrating what they do and their their like i said their culture aspects their their beliefs their it's just it's it's really cool to see them trying to educate and at least just show how other people exist in this world and what other people from different yeah. cultures and different backgrounds and different beliefs believe and how they go by their day day to day and i think it's just awesome to see yeah no it totally is man to see to see how other people um live their lives outside of how you do and and clearly people love it because you know they went out to see they made black panther one of the biggest movies biggest mcu movies of all time at the time and this movie has been you know people been going to see people been going to see this in droves too i mean three weeks in a row number one movie in the world people want to see it people love this stuff man and like um taking more obscure characters who you might not think could lead a movie and giving them a movie and giving them a chance. Marvel's been doing this great. I'm done doubting them with with um, introducing more obscure characters as movies. Like, is it going to play well? I don't know. Like, people don't know Shang-Chi. People don't know um, Guardians of the Galaxy. How is this going to do? I'm done, like, doubting it. Because it keeps yep. they, they keep doing it, and they keep doing it well. And if you make a good movie, people are going to come see it. Yep. So that's kind of what we got here and i'm glad this movie exists i'm glad i saw it i want to see it again sitting here talking with you about it i'll um you're amped up now right 
Yeah, yeah, great time, man. It was a great time. And I think we got nothing left to say. Granted, that's probably not true. And you and I will probably sit here off <laughs> camera and talk about it for another 20 minutes. But I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the Raise the Geek podcast. want to thank you guys all for sticking around, supporting this uh, podcast, supporting this show. Um, we're hoping to have some new content and new things coming up. We're heading into our Halloween month of October, and we're trying to plan some really fun stuff to uh, do. Might be a little different here for the month of October to really celebrate both of our love of Halloween and that as they like to say on the morning talk shows, the spooky season. So Ooh. we are here to talk about it and hopefully you guys will all keep coming out to listen to it and make sure you guys like subscribe and follow this podcast on all social media and podcast services where you can be found. Hit us up on good pods as well. Keep moving us up that list. See how high we can go on that platform. If you want to join the conversation, hit us up on at on Twitter at raise the geek. I got it out. And uh, shoot us an email at raisethegeek at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you guys, and especially any ideas of things that you want to talk about. Love to hear what you guys think about uh, Shang-Chi. I can't wait to get this out there on the, in the Twitterverse and let you guys uh, voice your opinion on what you guys thought, because I'd love to continue this conversation. So let's keep it going. For sure. For sure. But Don, as I said, going to wrap us up. So until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm done. And thanks for listening to the Raise the Geek podcast. Where we all speak geek.